The following sermon is part of a series going through the book of Philippians, and it was preached at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. For more sermons, please visit our sermon audio page. It is our hope and prayer that this content is edifying for you. We turn to God's word this evening in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. In our series of sermons through the book of Philippians, we've made it to the last chapter. We consider this evening verses 1 through 3, the first three verses of Philippians chapter 4. Let's read the chapter. Hear the word of God. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned, and received, and heard, and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again unto my necessity, 
not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in, Je in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. <clears throat> the text that we specially consider this evening is verses 1 through 3. Let's reread those verses. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodias and beseech Synthache, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my faith fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, think with me, about that time when the Philippian church received this letter. Think about Epaphroditus, the messenger who delivers this letter which Paul had written to that church in Philippi. Epaphroditus, remember, had been sent from Philippi to Paul in Rome with a monetary gift, as well as with words of encouragement for the Apostle Paul. He had fallen sick, but having recovered, Paul now sends Epaphroditus back to Philippi with this very letter that we are studying in our series of sermons. In delivering this letter to the church of Philippi, Epaphroditus did not make copies, as we can in today's age, of a letter to all the members, but rather must have read this letter, letter publicly before the church gathered together. This was the Word of God that he read, though written by that man Paul, the Apostle Paul, inspired was this letter by the Spirit. Imagine Epaphroditus standing up behind that pulpit in the church of Philippi and publicly reading all the words in chapters 1 through 3 and then coming to the words of chapter 4, especially verse 2. I beseech Eudias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. 
And if you were Eudias or Syntyche, you must have felt stunned by this word to you in particular. The implication to Eudias and Syntyche was you are not of the same mind, you in particular, and you must be. And now I exhort you, beloved members of Hope Protestant Reformed Church, imagine that your name were inserted in place of Eudias, and then another person in the church you may, who you may not get along with so well, who you today may be in personal conflict with in place of Syntyche. And hear the word of God to you. I beseech you. Your name. And beseech you, the name of one you are in conflict with, be of the same mind in the Lord. Our text begins with the word, therefore, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. My dearly beloved, the word therefore connects our text, which is one, to the preceding verses. Not only to the few verses that come at the end of chapter 4 but, or chapter 3, but to the entirety of chapter 3. Therefore, therefore hearing what I have spoken to you in chapter 3, Paul says, stand fast, so stand fast in the Lord. Chapter 3, as you all know, if you've been listening to our series of sermons, is a polemical section, a section in which Paul positively sets forth the truth, but especially speaks against the errors of his day. And remember those errors, three especially in particular, the Judaizer error that sought to insert works along with faith and the experience of justification. Paul speaks against false teachers who taught that, calling them dogs, evil workers, and of the concision. And he explained that this justification is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. In verses 10 and following, you remember Paul combats not only, but also perfectionists, those who taught that you can reach a certain perfection in life. And Paul speaks personally there, you remember, of how he had not arrived, but he as well as the others in the church need to press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then in verses 17 and following, we saw that Paul especially focused upon the antinomian error. The antinomians walked, especially in worldliness, excusing their worldliness by claiming 
that they could continue in this worldliness because the grace of God, especially in the cross of Jesus Christ, would abound. And Paul calls them the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Having completed this section against the Judaizer and the perfectionists and the antinomian errors of his day, Paul says, therefore now, my brethren, stand fast. Stand fast. Meaning, stand fast in the truth. Stand fast as opposed to these errors. Now he inserts a word, so. So stand fast. And that word, so, not only refers to what comes before in chapter 3, but it points us ahead to the manner so stand fast. How do you stand fast? In what manner? The answer is, stand fast in the manner of unity. And it brings up a particular or specific instance of disunity to exhort the people unto unity. So stand fast. I beseech you especially, Eudias, and I beseech Syntyche and anyone else involved. Be of the same mind in the Lord. It parallels what Paul had said in chapter 1, verse 27. You remember that text. You stand fast using the same word in one spirit, Paul says. Here's how, with one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So, in this manner, stand fast. Consider this text with me under the theme, called by name unto unity. First, the calling of certain women. Second, the calling to help them. And finally, the calling which comes forth in love, or the calling of love. In order to understand this text before us, we must first understand at least what we can understand, the few things about these two individuals that Paul addresses in this text, Eudias and Syntyche. Eudias and Syntyche were respectable and influential members of the church of Philippi. Indeed, they were respectable and influential so that although Paul mentions their names and corrects them publicly, he at the same time is implicitly commending these women who were influential and respectable. We do not know the exact manner in which they had influenced the church of Philippi, but Paul describes them in this way in verse 3. Those women which labored with me in the gospel, he says. These women labored with me in the gospel. And that word, labored with me in the gospel, is the same word that Paul had used in chapter 1, verse 27. I just referred to that text. When Paul speaks of striving together, 
striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's the same word in the original. And that word in the original has the word athlete in it. It's the striving of an athlete together for the faith of the gospel. Not in a sport now, but in, for the faith of the gospel. These women, Paul was saying in our text, were like my teammates. They were together with me, enduring in the race, working alongside me as athletes, even as fellow soldiers, to contend with me for the advancement of the gospel. And that would have been quite a striking word for the saints in Philippi to hear in reference to women in particular. Because in Greek and Roman games, women did not participate in such athletics. But now Paul includes these women. They were athletes alongside me to contend for the gospel. And Paul not only places them side by side with himself, but also he places them side by side with other respectable laborers. That's in verse 3. He describes these women this way, which not only labored with me in the gospel, but also with Clement and with other my faithful laborers. We don't know exactly who Clement was. Some say he was a well-known church father, Clement of Rome, but that is not certain. But the Philippians must have known who Clement was, probably an office bearer in the church of Philippi, or at least someone who was well-known as a laborer, someone who was a workhorse in the church of Philippi. And then along with Clement, other laborers. Paul says, these were not the only ones that labored diligently and worked hard, but the women Eudias and Syntyche worked side by side with this man, Clement, and other fellow laborers. They contended with me as athletes, and they labored along with the other faithful laborers. Paul, you see, was not ashamed to receive the help of such women, and even publicly to speak well of such women. In fact, if you read other epistles, especially Romans chapter 16, and read the last chapter where Paul greets many people, he includes in those greetings many greetings of women, or two women. And with those greetings, compliments these women, like he does here in Eud to Eudias and Syntyche. He speaks of Phoebe in Romans 16 as a servant of the church. He speaks of Priscilla, the wife of Aquila, as a helper in Christ Jesus. He speaks of Tryphena and Tryphosa, those who labor in the Lord. He speaks of Mary, who bestowed much labor upon us. What we find in the epistles, and even here in this text, is that Paul is no male chauvinist. He speaks well of women, and women even who labor in the church of Jesus Christ faithfully, respectable and influential, where Eudias and Syntyche, and they were so probably because they were some of the first converts 
of the church in Philippi. Maybe even what we would call charter members of the church in Philippi. The history in Acts 16 points us to that. The church in Philippi was a relatively young church when, which Paul himself had planted earlier on in his ministry. And in Acts chapter 16, we find Paul traveling there on a second missionary journey. And Paul informs us of one prominent woman, Lydia, a seller of purple, whose heart the Lord opened. But Lydia was not the only convert we know. We know also that when Paul preached to the saints in Philippi, he first went down to the river where we read in Acts 16 verse 13, women in particular resorted thither. Eudias and Syntyche probably were among these women, some of the first converts in the city of Philippi. And as longtime members in that church of Philippi, they were influential, they were respectable. No, they were not office bearers. I have to mention that because modern preachers today love to take a passage like this or any commendation of any woman in the Bible and try to fit that, that feminist agenda and encourage churches today to let women be in office. Nowhere in this text or other so-called proof texts in Scripture prove that women ought to be in office. In fact, on the contrary, Scripture explicitly speaks against that. First Timothy 2 verse 12, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp the authority over the man, but to be in silence. Eudias and Syntyche were not in a special office, but they must have showed hospitality. They must have worked in the church to witness of the gospel to others. They must have been like the Titus 2 women who taught the younger women. They must have gathered with the other saints in Bible societies to discuss God's word, the doctrines of God's word even. And as women in the church, they influenced that church greatly. And ladies, I speak to you, though not only to you, but one application of this text is this, that though you may not take office in the church of Jesus Christ, yet you have much work, labor in the church, and though you may not receive much recognition for it, and though you may not even realize it at times, you have a great influence an effect upon the entire church of Jesus Christ as you work with that meek and quiet spirit. You do labor as athletes alongside your husbands, striving together for the faith of the gospel, being their helpers fit for them. Your theological understanding of the truth even, ladies, affects the advice you give to your husbands and how you raise your children. And how you interact with the women, the other women in the church. Your behavior and attitude impacts the church greatly, far more than you realize. But of course, as a result of your influence, 
because you have such an impact on the church, whether you recognize it or not. You can have a positive impact, but you can also have an extremely negative one. As was the case in Philippi, Eudias and Syntyche, who had been a tremendous positive impact upon the church of Philippi in the past, were now harming, hurting the church. This was known publicly already. Paul is not exposing what the people did not yet know. Everyone knew in the church of Philippi before this letter was read by Epaphroditus that Syntyche and Eudias were at odds. Paul was not exposing publicly what was a private dispute between these two women. But things had continued and continued and gotten to such an extreme that everyone knew and thus he writes, still stunning, but public already, I beseech you, Dias, and beseech Syntyche, be of the same mind. We don't know the exact nature of the dispute. It probably wasn't doctrinal. If Paul knew that either of them were influencing the church with Judaizer theology, for example, or perfectionist ideas, or antinomian teachings, he would have probably taken on a different kind of tone as he did in chapter 3. This conflict or controversy between the two women here mentioned was probably not about differing beliefs of significant doctrines. But there were issues. There were issues that they were arguing about. Probably multiple things, as is often the case. Things which had built one on top of the other. One argument not settled had led to another argument. Bitterness about one thing in the other person led to more bitterness as that root of bitterness continued to creep and sink its roots through the hearts of these women and flowed forth the production of all kinds of bitter comments and actions. Suspicions increased. Each became too proud to admit fault. Neither sought reconciliation. Both sought to debate rather than discuss. And because Eudaius and Syntyche were influential and prominent women, it must have affected the entire congregation. In Corinth, there were those, remember in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, there were those who said, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. As they followed men. And Philippi may have been now, there were those who said, I am of Eudias, or I am of Syntyche. Instead of contending along with each other for the sake of the gospel 
as they had in the past. Udias and Syntyche now contended one against each other for the detriment, to the detriment of the spread of the gospel. Undoubtedly, beloved, undoubtedly, in our Protestant Reformed churches and in Hope PRC, there has been a doctrinal dispute and doctrinal error. Controversy because of that. What probably wasn't the case between Eudias and Syntyche and Philippi. But I wonder sometimes how many other underlying issues there were besides doctrine. Not to minimize the doctrine and doctrinal error, but how much of what went on in Philippi between these two women took place or is still taking place under the surface so that men and women, not just women, men and women are at odds with each, with each other, refusing to reconcile over all kinds of issues that have built up one on top of the other in the heart. Paul says, remember, you insert your own name. I beseech you and the other be of the same mind. Be of the same mind. That is, think the same thing. And that should make you recall to mind chapter 2 when Paul spoke more generally of being of the same mind, the mind of Jesus Christ, remember. The mind that seeks humility first because humility is that which leads to unity. The same mind that thought of Jesus Christ who humbled Himself, who humbled Himself, take on the form of man, as a servant who humbled himself unto the death, even the death of the cross, that he might, that he might unite us to God, to save us in him. Have the same mind that you might be humble as Jesus was humble. And seek the unity of the saints as Jesus sought the unity of the saints. Paul says, think the same thing. And there are three related truths to think about with our minds. And that Eudias and Syntyche were to think about, especially from this text. Think together on these three things, Paul says. First, think, have the same mind in this, that you are joined to the same Jesus Christ. Notice that prepositional phrase, in the Lord. Be of the same mind in the Lord. Eudias, Syntyche, you are joined to the same Lord. You are branches, yes, 
different branches. Remember, you were dead branches of yourselves. And in His mercy, God has taken you branches and joined you to the same vine, Jesus Christ. By faith, you're joined to the same Lord. And through faith, the same Lord strengthens you and gives you the ability to show forth that unity that you ought to have in Jesus Christ. You are one in the Lord. If you are truly one in the Lord, then show forth that oneness, Paul is saying. Think about how you are joined by faith to be one in the Lord. Justified by the same Lord. Covered by the blood of that same Lord. Confessing together the same Lord. And related to that, secondly, Paul tells them, you're both written in the same book of life. Whose names he ends, not only referring to Clements and his fellow laborers, but also to these women whose names, together with them, are written in the book of life. And by that book of life, you know well, Paul is speaking of election. Your names are side by side in God's very book of election. From the foundations of the world, He has chosen you in Jesus Christ. Just as you see your names written in this letter, Eudias and Syntyche, side by side, so also you ought to know that your names are side by side in the book of life. Now if you have been elected, been chosen unto life, and one day, you will have that eternal life, one with another in heaven, in fellowship with each other. Should you not show that side by side, that togetherness that you have in God's election, in that book of life that you will enjoy one day in eternal life in heaven. Think, Paul says, be of the same mind that you are joined in the same Lord, that you're written in the same book of life. And thirdly, probably the emphasis of this text, you are working for the same cause. You are working for the same cause of the gospel. Repeatedly, Paul speaks Notice in the text of working together, fellow workers, a fellow yoke men, fellow laborers. He speaks to these women as workers along with Clement, this yoke fellow, which we'll mention in a bit, and many others. You're all working for the same thing, are you not? So that the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be spread so that gospel would gather, so that Christ's name may, may be glorified through that spread of the gospel. Think, think, be of the same mind that you are on this earth and you are in the church of Philippi and you are in the church of Hope PRC for this promotion of the same gospel. But now the tense of that verb is important. It's in the past tense. Regarding these women, they labored 
with me in the gospel. They did. But presently, not so much. As they disputed one with another. As they caused division in the church of Jesus Christ. It was distracting from the work. It was inhibiting the spread of that gospel. We have the same mind. Paul says. In addition to calling these specific individuals. Unto unity. To be the same mind regarding their election. Their being in Christ. And they're working for the same cause. Paul then entreats. Others, one in particular, to help. Help, verse 3, help those women. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women. Paul doesn't just say, you two in particular, you need to get along. But he says, they need help. There's an intriguing debate, often distracting from the main point here. An intriguing debate about commentators as to who this yoke fellow, this genuine yoke fellow is, whom Paul calls to help these women. I don't believe we can be certain well, one popular explanation is that the man here mentioned is a man by the name of Sudzagos or Sudzagos. And you ask, where is that in the text? Well, the word yoke fellow that is transliterated from the very Greek is pronounced this way, Sudzagos. And many commentators explain that Paul here is not really saying yoke fellow, but he's saying Sudzagos, which means yoke fellow. So he's referring to another person by name besides Yodias and Syntyche and Clement. And what Paul means then would be that you, Sudzagos, which your name means yoke fellow, are genuine, true to your name. You truly are a yoke fellow working with me for the same goals. You, in particular, help those women. And that's, that's a possibility. Another possibility which I lean towards is that Paul refers to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, the messenger who brings this very letter to Philippi, who probably was the amanuensis, the very secretary to whom Paul was dictating this letter. It would be natural for Paul to speak directly to him. I entreat you, Epaphroditus, true yoke fellow. Support for that is also found in chapter 225 when he describes Epaphroditus in similar terms. Someone who worked along with Paul. He describes Epaphroditus as a companion in labor, which is fellow laborer, also used in our text, and fellow soldier. Both words matching well with yoke fellow. 
But that is not certain. And it doesn't matter in the end as to who exactly this person was. The point is, when there is conflict in the church of Jesus Christ, those who are in conflict often need help from someone else. Eudias and Syntyche were not going to settle their dispute by themselves on their own. God was telling them through the Apostle Paul that there was a need of peacemakers. And one peacemaker in particular, this yoke fellow, who like Jesus Christ was to come between these two women, mediate between them, and help them come together in reconciliation. The word help there literally means seize. Seize a hold of these two women, even though they may not want you to. And with the authority that you have now, because Paul, the Apostle Paul, gives the very authority of Jesus Christ to this yoke fellow, seize them and bring them together gently, yes, but do not to delay. The opposite of which is leaving them alone. Leaving them to figure it out by themselves. That would be the opposite. And isn't that the temptation? We hear of conflict in the church of Jesus Christ. We look in the parking lot and we see the factions. You know them better than I do. See the people that talk to each other and won't talk to others. You see the division and you say to yourself, I'd rather not get involved. We'll leave it alone. And too many knots to untie. We'll let you die as Syntyche figure it out themselves. And Paul says, no. Help. Help them. This applies especially to office bearers. Office bearers in the church. His yoke fellow, if he wasn't an office bearer, was given the authority from Paul, the office bearer, to do this work. Office bearers, of course, you're not to be busybodies. You're not to look for trouble. But as you live among the people of God, you will hear of conflict. And perhaps you don't address the conflict as soon as you hear it. And when you know that that conflict is continuing as it was here between Yodaius and Syntyche, then you must address it. You may not sweep it under the rug. You may not ignore it. You must seize, even as this text says, upon those two parties that are in conflict and endeavor to keep the unity of the saints and the bond of peace. And that applies not only, of course, to office bearers. I said, first of all, the parents in your home, as you see the conflict arise between your children and you see the grudges form, you're not to say, oh, that's just what boys do. 
You are to seek the reconciliation of your children. Husbands, when you hear about conflict that your wife has, perhaps with another woman in the church of Jesus Christ, you're not to say, oh, that's, that's just what women do. No, you are to seek to help your wife reconcile with the other woman. And beloved people of God, all of us, you often hear of conflict before the elders. Yes, you are called to help. If you know of that which continues in the church, and that divides the congregation. You sing, don't you? You sang. You did so from your heart, didn't you? Yea, for sake of friends and kin, my heart desires thy peace, that is Zion's peace. For the house of God, the Lord, my care or my help, as this text puts it, shall never cease. And this is how you help. This is how you care. Seek to be peacemakers among yourselves. Why is this so important? Well, you may ask, perhaps as you listen, is this really that important? It's as serious as this. This is for the sake of the gospel. And this is for the sake of the gospel. The calling of the church is a labor for the sake of the gospel. What is the gospel? As I've already implied, the gospel is the good news that you who are enemies of God, in conflict with God, fighting against God as Eudias and Syntyche fought against one another, that God, yet in His mercy, took you, who were His enemies, and wrote your names in His book of life, and then reconciled you, who are His enemies by nature, to Himself. How? By sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the mediator, the helper, that word help in the text points to Jesus, the helper who seizes upon us, who would not be reconciled to God by ourselves, could not, and brings us to God to be made one with Him, to be made friends with Him, to have fellowship with a God against whom we were enemies. That's the gospel. For Jesus' sake, we are reconciled. For Jesus' sake, we have covenant fellowship with our God. And now the obligation of thanks is that we reflect this gospel, this gospel of reconciliation. Yes, with our mouths and speaking what I just spoke to one another and defending the doctrines of grace regarding this gospel, but also this, in this way, the church of Jesus Christ shows this gospel with their unity, with their friendship one with another, with their reconciliation with each other. That's a reflection of the gospel. As you live among each other in the church of Jesus Christ, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that there will never be conflict. Yes, there will be conflict. There will be. You're sinners. You will sin against each other and you will hurt each other. 
In many ways, you will have conflict. But now, here's how the gospel is reflected. Having conflict, having, having behaved as enemies one to another, now you reconcile. And in that reconciliation, in that repentance and forgiveness, you witness the gospel of reconciliation. Jesus said himself, and this is your witness of the gospel. In John chapter 17, verse 21, which many of you women in particular studied, Jesus prays that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Why? The next phrase this is why Jesus says, for the promotion of the gospel, he puts it this way, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. It is as the church lives in unity, one with another, under their head, Jesus Christ, that they show forth the gospel. And the world may know and believe that thou, Jesus says, hast sent me that mediator who brings unity not only between God and man, but between brothers and sisters who are written in the book of life together. Am I, is Paul calling for unity and peace at all costs? No. No matter what doctrine is held, no. That's not even true unity and peace. But having the same doctrine live according to it with unity. This calling was pointed and is pointed. But this calling in which Paul mentions names even was brought to the church in Philippi out of love. That's verse 1. Many expressions of love that Paul give to assure Eudias and Syntyche of his love and God's love before he engaged in this pointed calling. Very briefly notice five expressions of love. My brethren, he says, and that's just not the male members of the church, but my brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of the same family. I know that with the, Jesus Christ is our elder brother. My brothers and sisters, my brethren, dearly beloved. He says that twice, both at the beginning of verse 1 and at the end of verse 1. Dearly beloved, I love you with the same kind of love wherewith God has loved us by giving up His Son. A self-sacrificial love, Paul says. I love you. I long for you. 
longed for, he says. I love you so much that I want to see you soon. I can't right now because I am in prison in Rome. I long for you. I want to see you face to face to enjoy that fellowship with you. My joy, he says, I have no greater joy than to see my spiritual children walk in the truth. My joy, you Philippians are my joy as you walk in the truth. My crown. A crown there is not a golden metal crown, but a wreath that someone receives at the end of his race. Paul saw that crown or that wreath coming at the end of his race or life. Paul means by crown, I look forward. I look forward to the end of the race when I will get to heaven and see my God face to face. But also this, I look forward to get to heaven because there I will see you. My crown. You are the prize I look forward to receiving at the end of the race. With all these expressions, Paul shows his love, his affection. And you guys in Syntyche heard that. They knew of Paul's love. They were confident that he believed they were saved. And so when he heard their names, though it was difficult to take, though they probably flinched, they heard the love of the Apostle Paul, not only, but they heard the love of Jesus Christ their shepherd who spoke through Paul. That's exemplary. That's exemplary. Husbands, don't say it's not necessary to express love to your wife and to repeat that love over and over again. Paul's it, that Paul does it multiple times here. And Jesus speaks to his bride through Paul in this way. Husbands, you speak of that love and you express it to your wives, especially before you rebuke them. Parents, to your children, say it. You're my dearly beloved. I love you. And office bearers, as you care for God's people, and especially especially as you must bring warnings and rebukes to them. You must, with your words and actions, convey, dearly beloved, my brother, my sister, my joy, my crown, my dearly beloved, assure God's people of that love. Then it comes, those warnings, the correction as it comes in our text. And God's people receives it with love. And so I call you tonight, Eudias, 
and Syntyche. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, stand fast in the Lord in this manner upon the basis of true doctrine but with unity, with unity to show forth the gospel. We reconcile one with another today. Seek the unity of the saints. Help one another, my fellow laborers in the gospel. Eudias, Syntyche, did you hear your name? Or are you hearing someone else's name? Be of the same mind. Jesus speaks to you by name. He calls his sheep by name. Tonight too. And he says also regarding this text. To you by name. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. I know them, and they follow me. Amen. Father, by the power of thy Holy Spirit, apply thy word to our heart. May it be that what we heard was not only a man's voice in weakness, but the voice of our Savior speaking to us by name. Irresistibly, thereby work that we might more and more think the same thing and have the same mind, especially with a mind that ponders how we are joined by faith to the same Lord, written in the same book of life. And in it, in this church, in this very life, for the same cause of the precious gospel and the glory of thy name. In Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast. We publish daily meditations, Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day sermons on Wednesdays, and topical podcasts on Fridays. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org, and you can email us with any questions or feedback at hoperwc at gmail.com. Thank you.